swords with handle art to spar trolls and charge tolls to cross roads with bandits are catacombs and giant doors protect the chest of stores from legendary items with the dragon bones and iron it's horse. a grand theft of elk scrolls simon's quest with toe and earl rock shoes to ever clue easter eggs and gaming news the potus needs some bad dudes to crash crew like bandicoot all shit a game in english control issues English control issues. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Well, control issues. I am the AM, sir. And this is A Dub. You can find us at control issues.com. That dash is a hyphen. So hop on over. Uh, go to your podcast provider, whoever that may be. Download, subscribe, rate, review, control issues. That's us. You can also go to twitch.tv slash control issues pod where we put up gameplay videos for your viewing pleasure every so often and head on over to Twitter at my control issues is the handle. We'd love to hear from you. AMC, how you living? Living well. Uh, this week has been, well, first of all, it's an amazing long Memorial Day weekend, A-Dub. So happy oh, Memorial right. Day to you. Yes. And a little longer for me because the company just started summer Fridays a little early. Hell yeah um on top of that mainly just this entire week i've been watching all basketball playoffs um i thought you were going to say dragon ball super is like about time (laughs) actually yeah i have been watching a little bit of super it's um i there's eight minutes left in the tournament so that means there's about 60 episodes left for the tournament (laughs) it sounds about right (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah it's great uh vegeta vegeta decided that he's gonna do it his way so he's not on that super autonomous whatever <laughs> yeah he's, he's uh so he hit that he hit that next level the uh i guess that next super saiyan blue level that, that ultra blue <laughs> that that azure <laughs> <laughs> that that yeah that turquoise um it's pretty awesome so yeah he hit that. super saiyan teal <laughs> yeah. so goku he did the uh the kaoken blue uh, Vegeta hit that next level, and now they're both. The episode ended with them both charging at Jiren, so <laughs> we're gonna find out what happens. But Jiren clearly isn't fighting at 100% yet, so you know, yeah, no. <laughs> oh, I know, yeah. and I, I ain't saying a word. You yeah. enjoy yourself. The only thing that has confused me with it is that so they cut to the spectators in the audience, and all the uh the destroyers are there which was a little strange because it seemed like the destroyers were disappearing as each universe was destroyed so it was kind of weird to see them all suddenly back in the stands i might have missed something there um but yeah it's uh it's been good been enjoying that how about yourself adub how's your weekend oh man just hanging in there things are cooling down at work but i'm still dialed up because of all the work we had to do to get to this point so i'm gradually just catching up to everything that needs to be done luckily it's a it's an off month you know we only really got to get tight on the on the quarters so you know we're finishing up the april financials and just making sure everything's at least done and accounted for and then get started on get started on may other than that trying to finish out mermaid strong uh put up a put up a couple good sketches last night i'm gonna try to put up a couple more 
today and then try to do a couple more tomorrow and just finish up the month. I know I, I missed the majority of the month just because it's been working so hard, but, you know, taking the free time to really sketch. And now that I'm not as rusty anymore and I'm having these successes under my belt, I'm, I'm learning things that I was exposed to in my last drawing workshop while at the same time, you know, just getting, getting that confidence that you get when you put new things that you've learned into action. So, you know, just the framework that I learned, the measurements that make it all come together and things. It, it's interesting. Like, I can't think of what game I could liken it to, but it's like one of those video games where you're playing and you're playing, then you get a memory and then you play through the memory and then the memory unlocks a skill that you had, but you, you had to remember that you had it. <laughs> so that's kind of like what that is. So enjoying that. HelloFresh kicking ass. Got myself a, a proper set of knives. So my mincing game, my trimming game, on point. Got my vegetable brush, cleaning, peeling, <laughs> just getting it in. You know, my, my prep time is coming down. Last meal I did, we didn't talk about it, but the last meal I did, like, I think I did the cucumbers a little too much because they got mushy. And I think I, I just suck at sauces, man. So it's it's either not creamy enough or I end up burning it and it's just like a, a mess of chunks. <laughs> uh, whatever, I'm getting there. My couscous game, that was immediate right out the gate. Uh, I mean, my ability to, to cook meats and season them properly, on point, always. So it's just a matter of getting my veggie game tight, getting my sauce game tight. Once I can do that, then... I, I might be ready to start reading salt, fat, acid, heat, and really learn how to cook from scratch. But yeah, man. Other than that, just loving life, just trying to live it, relaxing, you know, having, trying to keep my budget tight, really just chilling in this apartment, not having to worry about anything, you know, just staying motivated, staying active, plotting out my next life goals, and going, just going at everything with a full head of steam. Yeah, it's interesting. Like now that things are opening back up, like uh, yesterday, I went to my niece's um, birthday party. Uh, brought brought the homie Theo with me, and mm -hmm. um, it's just interesting because everybody there is vaccinated, so people are hugging each other. <laughs> like it's like, <laughs> like it's like, like nothing ever happened. <laughs> yeah, it's like just back to normal now. So it's it's kind of awesome in that way. I just what I was saying, like watching basketball, seeing the uh, the stadiums just completely packed, like. Um, like I, I think LA they're still doing like a little bit of the uh you know we're gonna lower the capacity but like you were watching New York and it was just completely packed what I did hear is that uh for the Knicks or I think just New York in general they're they're they require a vaccine like um card so proof of vaccination which is kind of cool so all so those people a vaccine passport without being a pa vaccine passport yeah exactly. people made such a big fucking deal about yeah, I think, well, you know what it is. It's They don't want the government to do it, but if a private business does it, then it's fine. It's um, the American way. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it was, it was just great to see people back out and about. People don't, now that people are out and about, you know, there's going to be this this period where we're learning how to interact again. Mm -hmm. And you just, and and the one being at the, the New York Stadium and the Knicks, and there were actually a couple incidents, even with the Wizards and, um, I'm trying to think what the other team was. Uh, oh, in Utah, where just fans just 
just doing abhorrent like things uh, <laughs> and it's like they just haven't been out in the public in forever and so the moment that they get out they just completely lose their shit and so yeah i think it's just gonna be this period of um you know crime going up because people don't know how to handle being around each other anymore <laughs> yep it's gonna be a whole lot of invasions of personal space a whole lot of altercations yeah um but outside of that Adele, let's talk about something positive what have you been playing well this week was the week that it finally happened biomutant came out didn't receive a lot of a lot of good reception however for a lot of people that are playing it we're finding that it is an enjoyable experience it, no one ever said it was going to be a knock your socks off blockbuster experience which it is not however it it does it doesn't do any one thing particularly well. However, it does enough things to give it a complete, well-rounded experience that it's just a, a nice, relaxing, fun game to play. Like, there's no high stakes. There's no pulse-pounding, high-octane, wall-to-wall action moments. It's just go here, clear these guys out, find these things, get some loot, grab some stuff, level up distribute my points, check my equipment, go to the next thing, keep it moving, learn some new moves, try my new moves out, whoop some ass, keep it moving, get in my boat, get in my mech, get on my mount. This <laughs> <laughs> is all that kind of stuff. So one thing it does excel at is its visuals. It's, I, it, it catches me by surprise, like every few minutes, like, God damn, despite the game's shortcomings, they made a gorgeous game. It definitely needed more time in the oven. It definitely needed a few more hands on it because there, there's a lot of little things they could have done, which really would have brought the overall spectacle to it of it together. But insofar as its raw visual quality, they definitely scored aces on that. And, you know, it, I enjoy it. I wouldn't recommend it, but if anyone is interested it's worth giving it a look. It's just a nice, fun, mid-tier game, the kind of which people have always complained that we've seen such an absence of, oh, we need to see mid-tier games come back. Well, they're back. And if you want to see those kind of games, check out Biomutant. But if you're, if you're on the AAA diet, if you're a graphics whore, if you're all these kind of things, <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, just wait for the next big thing but there's no reason to there's no reason to disparage thq nordic or to disparage one-on-one -on -one experiment or to disparage biomutant because overall it is a solid little game it's a hell of a foundation for a sequel so i'm looking forward to hopefully the game being successful enough to be followed up with another title as well as what they're going to be able to iterate upon when given the opportunity. So I'm enjoying it. it. I play it and honestly, I don't want to stop playing it. I'm always moving on to the next side quest. I'm always moving on to the next area. And you know, you hit that roadblock where it's like, oh, you need the improved crowbar. Well, it's like, how do I get that? Oh, you need to do this side quest. Well, I'm gonna do that. And then I do it. Then I get the crowbar. Then I go back, I get the thing. And I keep upgrading, keep doing stuff. So it's, it's a good time, in my opinion. But AMC, what have you been playing? Um, 
actually, you know what? I've barely been playing. I played a little bit of Fire Emblem, Push Forward, but as I said, it was all about basketball this week. So I'm not even going to talk about video games as far as what I've been playing. But I, I, feel talk like, <laughs> yes. I, I feel like they should do a Fire Emblem with all female characters and call it Femblem. Femblem? <laughs> <That should be>, like, <laughs> the social justice Fire Emblem. That'd be awesome. <laughs> get get your girl Byleth mm. lead the charge. Or just any like female character from like all the franchises. So you got like Lara Croft, you got Aloy. Damn. <laughs> you got, got turn based tactical. Oh! <laughs> like where where is like the turn based tactical equivalent of a Smash Brothers? Yeah, exactly. And you just like you can give them the moves like that uh, apply to those characters based on the games they play that could also dictate their movement and things along those lines, like their traversal. Yeah. I think that they could like, totally Nathan, do like an awesome all female. <laughs> no. Well, like, like Nathan Drake in a game like that could, you can upgrade him to basically climb everything <laughs> with his movement. And then when he gets to high ground, he can like jump and get critical hits. <laughs> <laughs> He could throw that grappling hook and just swing all over the map. Yeah, that'd be great. And then like infamous dude, he has his lightning powers. They could do. They got ratchet. He has like all the different guns. Got that arsenal. Yeah, swapping it out. Probably attacks twice per turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they could definitely do something dope like that. But yeah, as I, as I mentioned, played a little bit of Fire Emblem. Not much more, just because I've been focusing on basketball. I'm gonna put in some work on Fire Emblem though tonight. But a dub, let's just get right into these topics of the week. Topics of the week. What you got? Lead it off. We going right to the big one, baby. Today, today we're going to tell you guys about a big moment for Sony as we're gearing up for this E3 season that's coming in the next like two weeks by the time you're listening to this. And to kick things off. Sony has given us an extended look into gameplay of Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah, so we got a, a 15 minute gameplay clip. We got to see the game in action. We got to see your girl Aloy in her dreadlocked glory, running around, swimming, <laughs> climbing, jumping, gliding in some instances. There was a lot to digest there. And the first thing that I will say about the demo is that it's Horizon. Like, it's a straight-up sequel. It's straight-up picking up where the last game left off. It is, it is the characters you remember. It's the tone and the atmosphere that you grow familiar with. So there's nothing to worry about in that respect. Something that completely caught me off guard was exactly how phenomenal this game looks. I mean, when they debuted that initial uh, CG trailer where they revealed Horizon Forbidden West. It was like, okay, I see where they're going with this. I, my cultured eye could see that it was all being rendered in engine, but it was so early. We hadn't seen straight up gameplay with the heads up display and everything. It's like, okay, some things may be subject to change. By the time this demo comes out and you're looking at it, it's like, holy shit, it looks like you're playing a cutscene. It just, it has just this, this glow and this glimmer about it. It just looks so clean and pristine. The skybox, the background, 
the set pieces, the, the immediate environments. Everything is highly detailed, incredibly vibrant, clean, colorful. It's, just, it's a treat to look at on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. And I can only imagine how outstanding it's going to be, A, while playing it myself in my own controlled environment, and B, on a brand new television, which your boy is definitely copping by the end of the year because I'm trying to get a discount. Best Buy, I hope you're listening. AMC, how did you feel when you were watching the Horizon trailer for the first time? Um, yeah, I kind of echo a lot of the same things. One, just how... So I'll lead it off by saying this just from a personal perspective. I didn't play the first Horizon Zero. Oh, Zero. that's right. And so <laughs> this was kind of the uh, the trailer that was going to be the... Am I am I jumping into this franchise? Is this going to be the one that pulls me in? Like, because there's a little bit of weight to it with that decision. Because that means if I'm going to play Horizon Zero Dawn two, uh, that means or Forbidden West, that means I'm going to have to go and play the original because I'm going to want all that story. So this was a, a big trailer for me to see, and yeah, I'll like just walking through it. First thing I just notice is just the just the visual quality uh just how beautiful the game looks how vibrant the environments are um and then on top of that like seeing aloy go underwater and just seeing how colorful colorful it was underwater and just really enjoying looking at the game and this is like this is the part of me where it's like damn like this game is gonna look absolutely phenomenal on the ps5 like i cannot wait um it looks smooth as hell i know that one of the like the um, the comments with the first Horizon Zero Dawn was just how shaky <laughs> the people looked at times or whatever. Um, I never played it, so I don't know. I just the, I remember the seeing the lip syncing AMC. It's the yeah, lip syncing. Yeah, I just remember like seeing like just a little bit of like like you know when people take clips of the video games to point out like their frustrations. Um, and this game looks smooth as hell. So if there's any um, questions about if they were going to fix that thing that they definitely got past that with this one um and then just looking at the gameplay uh it has everything that you love about the original horizon we didn't even see half of it i'm i'm, I'm guessing we saw maybe 20 percent of what, what's available but uh yeah you see the dinosaurs you see the different types of dinosaurs between how big they get to you know the um the velociraptors style dinosaurs to then on top of that seeing the um the natives the uh the rival factions now being in control of them um how did you feel that that is gonna um add to the gameplay um from where it was in the first one well it it definitely takes things up to a whole nother level and with you being someone who hadn't played the original so it, this would be a good time to illuminate the differences in the additions that were made to forbidden west i mean first of all aloy's arsenal of weapons and gadgets is expanded She's got smoke bombs now. She has a, a sling where she can catapult adhesive at enemies in order to, to stick them in place and make them more manageable. She's got, a, she's got an energy shield glider, if that even makes sense. But some, some more practical things that she has include her, her new grappling hook that she can use to attach herself to legends and pull herself across certain distances. And you know, when you come from the original Horizon where she didn't have that stuff, among her main, her just main bag of tricks was primarily being able to override the enemies. Now, the override is when she snuck up on that raptor, stuck her staff up to it, and took control of it so that she could ride it. That was something that was unique to just Aloy. 
you get to Forbidden West now, the enemies also have the ability to override and ride these robots. So that's going to bring a much different dynamic to the situation. In the past, it was always you're fighting humans, you're fighting robots, and it wasn't very often that the two overlapped. So now with Forbidden West, not only are they overlapping, but they're mixing together into this hybrid of human enemies with robot pals as weapons. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's that's a big game changer because now it's you're not just avoiding the you know seemingly predictable attacks of the robots, you know, the lasers that go out in a certain pattern or, you know, rearing up to do a big charge or a slam. It's now, it's got a a wooden platform on its back with human enemies calling out different kinds of attacks and tactics in order to adjust whatever, to whatever it is you're doing. So for instance, in the later, the late encounter in the demo, Aloy was riding a Velociraptor, they come out and it's a, it's a group on a wooden platform riding on a mammoth dinosaur robot. And what they're doing is they're adjusting to what Aloy is doing. So she's on the Raptor. They're like, oh, turn, fire the cannon. They shoot the cannon. They take out Aloy's mount, knock her to the ground. And suddenly she's an easier target to try to deal with, even though they don't know. They just unleash the danger. So, you know, it just, it, it brings a whole different dynamic because you're not dealing with just animal-minded creatures or creations anymore. You're also dealing with human-minded AI guiding them and controlling them for their own benefit. You know, on top of the other additions to this game, you mentioned going underwater. That's not something you could do in the first game. So that adds an entirely new dimension to the gameplay and the exploration, uh, the exploration especially because Aloy is going to be equipped with a rebreather that allows her to stay underwater for as long as she wants, which means that Gorilla is able to create underwater areas that look absolutely vibrant and fantastic. I mean, you've got you got schools of fish, you got you got ship wreckages and buildings that have just been reclaimed by coral and seaweed and the. You're, swimming through the water and the seaweed moves and bends around Aloy. Her hair flows fluidly, no pun. So that presents a lot of opportunity for you to be able to go into areas underground, maybe find loot, maybe find collectibles, things of that nature. So yeah, man, there's a lot going on here that builds upon the existing Horizon formula while also staying true to it. Uh, For instance, the improved melee combat. When Aloy has her first encounter with the human enemies, you know, she does a stealth kill, gets things started, runs up on the second guy, he sees her, they square off a bit, and you immediately can see that her animations are much sharper and more more aggressive than they were in the previous game. I mean, before, you would have the standard three-hit combo, and that was about it, and that was enough for your first outing with the game. This time around, Gorilla has stated in their uh, gameplay deep dive that Forbidden West is going to have different kinds of combos that have different kinds of effects. So personally, what I'm hoping that means is I'll be able to give different looks in combat while also being able to have different tools 
in my arsenal to utilize depending upon a situation. Like, is a big armored guy coming at me? Is a, is a, are a bunch of small, fast enemies coming at me? Is a flying enemy coming at me? What are going to be my options in that situation? And it's nice to not be bogged down with the same, you know, basic three animation combos. So that's a point of excitement. You've also got power-ups that you can use depending on the situation. Aloy even has a maneuver where she can vault off of an enemy, switch to the slow-mo, pull the bow back, hit him in the chest. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> Anything else to add, AMC? I think you you hit it all. I mean, everything there was a pretty uh, great description of what I was feeling and seeing on the screen. Um, it looked absolutely, it looked incredible. It looked great. Um, I can't wait to see more of it. One of the things that we were just discussing a lot in the pre-show is that with what they showed you all 14 minutes, that was just a fraction of what this game has to offer. So, it's um, like a quarter of an hour. You're going to spend 40 or more hours trying to make it through the entire game. Like We, we haven't seen all the different regions and set pieces that they're going to offer. We haven't seen all the different enemies. Of course, your girl's going to have different outfits. There's going to be different kinds of weapons, different kinds of gadgets, their requisite upgrades, different ammo types. We don't even know what kind of collectibles and unlocks and secrets. We don't know what... In the original Horizon, there was even like a city where people were. Like It was basically a, a central hub where you could go and, you know, collect yourself get your shit together, get back out there and do your wild thing. So it'll be interesting to see what this is all about. I mean, we were even joking around with them being on the West Coast in the Bay Area. Like, what if what if Gorilla was so dedicated to the setting that they included West Coast hip-hop, like, Easter eggs? Like, what if you see a Mac Dre mural that's almost completely reclaimed by nature? <laughs> or what if you could find an audio log with, like, some E-40 on it? Yes, <laughs> that would be the shit. If I could see, uh, yeah, I just like too short, keep the sneak. <laughs> the oh, they gotta, they they gotta got have something too short. I got five on it, yeah. <laughs> With loonies. Uh, like, yeah, this, even this if one. it was something so minor as like a data log that just had a, a partial transcript of a too short verse. <laughs> <laughs> or just like, just player's ball. <laughs> like a racing yeah, track. Yeah, at the mall. <laughs> like, what if you can listen to West Coast hip hop while you're riding one of your, your overridden creatures? <laughs> you player's ball. <laughs> <laughs> Every day at the mall. Every <laughs> day. <laughs> Oh, Jodeci. Yeah, um, yeah, they could do some fun things with that. Um, if not, I think that's a, a note for Rockstar that maybe maybe you want to set the uh, the next um, <laughs> the next Grand Theft Auto game in San Francisco or just in the Bay. In Damn, a dedicated San Fierro GTA. Yeah, <laughs> that would be nuts. Yeah, they can have some fun there. Um, yeah, the trailer looked great. Um, uh, how does it appeal to you as far as um like are you are you definitely getting this day one where are you at as far as buying this game uh 100% day one horizon is one of my favorite new franchises of last generation speaking of this is a cross-gen title so it'll be available on playstation yeah. 4 and playstation 5 yeah. we have we have not received <laughs> a release date just yet however 
there's a lot of the year left. Yeah. So there's plenty of time for them to announce something for 2021. In the worst case, you're going to have to wait till next year, but there's plenty of stuff to keep you occupied. In the meantime, there'll be no certain folk just going to yeah. have certain things a certain yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got troll of the week, troll of the week, troll of the week. So as you can already tell, today's shows are coming sideways at Horizon Forbidden West, West West, y'all. <laughs> First troll says, "I mean, I would say your move, Microsoft, but how many years have we been saying?" Yeah. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> Dunk it on him. Oh, put a shot across the bow. Let's see how they react. Next, Charles says this game is clearly being held back by the PS4. Yeah. What a joke. That's <laughs> what's the, the Pony Defense Force eating it, chewing its own tail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next, Charles says the Fable CG trailer is more exciting this samey looking last gen gameplay and I don't even game on an Xbox yeah. this motherfucker got every generation and iteration of Xbox lined up on a shelf <laughs> <laughs> don't give me none of that next show says more the same well it's a sequel to an existing game what do you expect next show says I'm not surprised maybe because I didn't like the first one then why are you here yeah. <laughs> Next troll says looked rather similar to the first one. So we got a series of trolls who don't understand the concept of a sequel. Mm. Seriously. Next troll says the protagonist is definitely up to Sony standards of appealing to feminists. I swear she was prettier in the last game. Uh, so now we're we're back here. I guess these people like do not change, do not evolve. The same old takes. <laughs> The same old takes, but also the revisionist history. Like, oh, she was pretty in the first game. You guys were making threads for four and a half years straight talking about how ugly she was. Like, what is going on here? (laughs) Next troll says, remove Aloy, insert Nathan Drake, and you've got Uncharted 5. Beautiful looking game. Come on, Sony. Give me something different. All right. So give me something different by substituting an existing Sony character in it and making it a sequel, the fourth sequel of an existing Sony franchise, that's different to you (laughs) for a game that is a sequel to an existing Sony franchise? Like, dude, go take a nap. You clearly are working with a tank of gas. Next troll says, Sony, the home of overrated franchises. Uh, they're appropriately rated. And they, they sell well. <laughs> they sell appropriately. <laughs> Horizon, new IP from a first-person shooter developer putting up Zelda numbers. Get out of here. Female lead. Hating, hating on the <laughs> sideline. Next troll. Why is she so swollen in the face? Was she stung by a robotic wasp? So here we go. All the Aloy looks, folks. Next show says, damn, Aloy must have found the forbidden Whataburger on her way to the West. Well, maybe she did. Girls got to eat. Get off of it. Next show says, Sony has dropped the ball. That's it. That's it. 
Like in what respect? <laughs> what ball? What? <laughs> what? How? What? This is probably the best looking game that has been showcased since these new consoles came out. It's definitely the best looking exclusive that's been showcased since these consoles came out, except maybe what Demon Souls. But even that's a remake. This is a sequel. This is something new. And speaking of something new, next troll says, Yawn. <laughs> All right, keep sleeping. Last troll says, Graphics wise, it looks amazing. Even better than the first one. But it's still Horizon. Boring characters, boring story, and the combat wasn't that great. All right, so boring characters, whatever, personal opinion. Boring story, you don't even know what the story is. You haven't played the game. Nobody has. Shut up. Next troll, I mean, not next troll, but last bit, combat wasn't that great. Well, the combat has improved from the first game, and you haven't experienced the combat from the new game. And we haven't even seen all the combat because Gorilla says that there's more to it we haven't experienced. So what are you saying? What are you doing? Stop it. Don't do that to yourself. Uh, these trolls, I need to go back to an earlier one because this is a sentiment that I've seen expressed quite a bit. And people tend to get lost in their own confusion and try to put that on other people as fact. This game is clearly being held back by PS4. What a joke. First of all, it was being made as a PS4 game to begin with. It's getting a PS5 version, which obviously is gonna have visual enhancements, performance enhancements, and it's gonna be it's gonna be designed to take advantage of that solid state hard drive. But it isn't as if Horizon was designed from day one as a PS5 game and they made a PS4 version. It's actually the other way around. So in that light, it's not being held back by PS4. It's designed for PS4. And the version that's going to be on PS5 is designed for that. But it's still a PS4 game at heart. Not being held back. Looks phenomenal. Get ready to get one socks. Rocketh off it. Uh, I ain't got nothing else for these trolls, man. They, they out of control. AMC, you going to ride on them for a second? Yeah, I mean, just that, that last comment about the idea of... Um it being held back by the PS4 because it was, I guess, developed on the PS4. Um, the one that we always bring up, the game that was actually compared to the uh, original Horizon Zero Dawn, um, that being Zelda Breath of the Wild, considered one of the greatest games of all time. That was originally what being developed on the Wii U, a console that nobody bought. Yeah. And then it also happened to also come out on the Switch and ends up being one of the best sellers on the Switch. And nobody's talking about how, oh, this game could have been so much more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the greatest game of all time. <laughs> yeah, it's just because when a game is good, that's all that matters. The game is good. When you play indie mm-hmm. games, you're not thinking, I mean, there are those people who are making the comments like, well, if this is a AAA game, it would somehow be better. But it's like, no. Nah, the gameplay mechanics are great. The gameplay is awesome. The story is what it needs to be. All that matters is I'm having a good time. And that in any video game you play, the first thing that should be first and foremost is, are you having fun? And then after that, you can focus on then how's the story. And then if you get past that, how's the character? And then once you get all the way down to the bottom of the list, then you can actually start looking at the physical makeup of the character and decide if they actually look better, look good. Are they appealing? Yada, yada, yada. But um, when you're going down that checklist, um, the things that are most important, does the game look good? The game looks great. Does the game look like it's fun? It looks like it's incredible. And does it have 
a lot more to offer. It seems like there's a ton just based on um, they just had this like five hour like reel going on the um, on the Sony site of Horizon Zero uh, Forbidden West, and it was just showing all these different environments. Right now, all we saw was underwater and just this kind of beachy, lush environment. But we know we're going to be hitting all different types of areas. So just knowing that there's probably going to be different dinosaurs in those areas and other things to come along with that. So yeah, it's um. I think we're going to see more gameplay reveals. I'm sure people will start then saying they've seen too much of this game and mm-hmm. now the game is somehow ruined. Um, but I think as we see more reveals, I think people are going to realize just how much more to this game than, I mean, we saw this with Ghost of Tsushima. People have just tried to, you know, so I, hard. I saw one thing and now I know what this game is going to be. It's going to be Assassin's Creed and you end up playing it and it's very much its own video game. And I think that's, what's going to happen with, with horizon zero dawn. People are just seeing what's familiar, but as we see more of it, you're going to see what's new. And then you realize it's, you know, carving its own path in a way. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to more reveals from this game to shut these people up. And yeah, there's going to be more, you know, Sony reveals down the line because we got exclusives on top of exclusives. A dub. How many did you say? What they said, like, like 20, 27, 25 Sony studios, PlayStation studios, titles in development. (laughs) Don't know if that includes stuff we already know about, but even if it does, that's still well over a dozen titles that we don't know of. So we got stuff to look forward to. And it all comes back to what you said the most important thing to take away from today's episode. A good game is a good game. It doesn't matter if it was on last-gen tech. It doesn't matter if it's made exclusively for the current gen. It doesn't matter if it's AAA pushing the boundaries of what's possible and melting your eyelids with all of its over-the-top visuals. It doesn't matter if it's pixelated graphics. It only spans the course of eight hours once you know what you're doing. If it's a good game, it's a good game. That's all that matters. Play good games. Don't play graphics. Don't play prices. Play good games. Yes, sir. All right. Well, you know what? Let's stick with it, A-Dub. We saw one trailer. We saw two other big trailers with with gameplay reveals. That being Dying Light 2 and Far Cry 6. Yes. Uh, What should we lead off with? You can can choose the game, A-Dub. I would say Dying Light 2. That'll just be a quick hit. You know, I have some experience with the franchise, so there, there's a means of comparison insofar as what's been seen. I mean, it's it's dying light. What is it? Yeah. Open world, parkour, melee weapons, lots of crafting, zombies, day and night cycle, daytime, pretty dangerous, nighttime, better get your ass somewhere safe, go to sleep. <laughs> so it's got it, 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 the theme of everything that we ever talk about is that a sequel is a sequel. It's dying light, but more dying light with more stuff built on top of it. But at its core, it's still dying light. So don't be one of those dickholes who's sitting around like, oh, it's more of the same. Oh, I played this already. Yeah, and if you like that, then you get the sequel. If you don't like that, then you stop your belly bitching and you go play something else or you find a new IP. Don't come at something with a number behind it and expect it to be radically different. Dying Light 2 is not radically different, but it looks to be as if it's going to be radically better. So visually, it's already doing the job. Uh, One major change that I noticed that I'm excited about is um, at nighttime, we know that's when the zombies come out and that's, they come out of their nests. 
And when they also come out, there's just these hybrid forms that are even more dangerous than the daytime zombies. But because they come out their nests, that means their nests are empty at night. If you're willing to, to bear that risk, you can raid their nests and you can get some high-level loot. Oh, yes. uh, you also got factions that you're going to be dealing with in order to you know, make alliances and get greater access to the world and make connections, get greater access to weapons and such. Uh, fighting looks to be a more polished form of what we've already come become accustomed to with the Dialect franchise. Uh, being first person, I'm not too hot on first-person melee combat. However, with the way Dying Light does it, and if you get good at it, you know, you can block attacks and be defensive, sidestepping, cutting arms off, cutting legs off, kicking people into hordes of zombies, knocking dudes off of the roof. It's, there's an excellent integration of its melee combat along with its parkour traversal system so that not only are you in constant motion as you're running away from the zombie horse, but you're also remaining offensive that entire time. So it's there, there are no mechanics that are necessarily isolated from one another. I mean, you're still going to have your UV lights. You're still going to be pulling out the, the machetes. You're still going to be making sure that you keep a fair distance away from the big enemies with the rebar pipes grown into their arms, swinging at you all with you. So, I mean, Dying Light 2, it's, we got a little worried about it because it dropped off the radar and we didn't get any updates from the developer for a while. But with this return to form, as well as the announcement of a release date, Dying Light 2 is coming out on PS5, PS4, the Xbox series of consoles, Xbox One, and PC, December 7th, 2021. AMC. I don't know if you ever experienced the first Dying Light, but having seen this trailer for Dying Light 2, is there anything that stands out to you, and are you interested in the IP at all? Uh, no, not interested in the IP, but the game did look good. What stood out to me was definitely the um, the environments. Uh, what you had mentioned as far as the, uh, the day-night cycle and the enemies moving outside at night, so then you have more to explore. But as they were just showing what you can explore... And then even just the traversal outside, um, what's great about like taking like now that they've already made a game on these consoles and now taking advantage, they can really like just think about, all right, how can we really make the environment that much more fun and interactive to deal with? Because the game, first and foremost, is all about the parkour. Then on top of that, you throw in the zombies and just the action that goes on there. And yeah, this game seems to be like everything that i felt that was one note in um mirror's edge i think that this game has found a way to like to work around that and just to add a lot more depth to it and i think one of the big things is that there's the outside world and there's the inside world and you're going to be going in between both like it seems uh pretty uh, seamlessly mm -hmm. and that's going to also dictate how you, I guess, where you go during the day versus the night. Um, and so, yeah, it, it seems like a game that's going to be all about exploration. And if there's like one thing to like, I guess that philosophy, that, that lifestyle of parkour, it's that anything is, is accessible. And so because of that, like they can really just think about how they want to structure all the different environments and how you can really do some, I guess, awesome, like scene painting, as you're one moving through the world, but then 
engaging in combat as you're going from place to place. And so, yeah, um, it just seems like a game that's um, like fun meter is like at a 10. Um, and then, oh, absolutely. And then on top of that, like you have just these, these zombies out in the world or, or monsters or vampires or whatever the fuck they are. Um, them, oh, I, am, I am legend. I am legend zombies. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it has a little bit of everything that is great. Like a, like just that resident evil feel, but then on top of that, like the action that you want in like a fast paced style of game. And so, yeah, it, it's very different. And that's one thing I can say about dying light is you're not going to get what you're getting from that in any other game. And so it definitely stands out when you're, when you're watching it. Yeah. The, the beauty of the dying light franchise is although there are guns, that's not the focus. The focus is the melee weapons. The guns are definitely a breath of fresh air and make things easier, but you gotta work for that. Yeah, you gotta work for that shit. So it's nice to see Techland coming back out, showing us what they're working on. And at the same token, we know based on their, probably continuing to this day, their support of the original Dying Light, that Dying Light 2 is going to receive top grade post-launch support. I can imagine free content, maybe some paid DLC as well. But it, this property is something that will continue to pay dividends long after you pay the initial cost of the mission. Mm. Well, let's get right into the next big game, A-Dub, that being Far Cry 6. Big game. Which your, your boy, Poyos Hermanos. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, Man, so you played uh, previous. You played Giancarlo Despacito. Despacito. Um, you or played the previous. You played the previous Far Cry. So, um, what what were you thinking as you were looking at this one? What I'm thinking coming off of Far Cry Five is number one. I'm looking for the jank. <laughs> I gotta I gotta put that front and center because Far Cry Five as entertaining, fully featured and content rich as it was, there was still a, a generous amount of jank to it. And I know that when, especially a company like Ubisoft, when they come to show off their gameplay, they aren't exactly gonna show you the things that are gonna put you off from buying their products. So looking at Far Cry 6, of course, no sign of any jank whatsoever. So I was able to sit back and really enjoy everything that they were giving to me. I mean, first and foremost, I'm liking that you have the option of picking a male or female protagonist. But on top of that, this time around, you also see the main character in the cutscenes. That's not something that you got to enjoy in previous Far Cries. And I feel that's going to help a lot with enriching their narrative as well as strengthening the connection that the player has with the character that they choose. So that's awesome. Uh, with the region that they're depicting, as well as just the, the style of that culture, you're not just getting off the shelf weapons and you know getting off the shelf like camp camouflage dip, American flag dip, because when we played Far Cry 5, we were we were in the heartland of America. I don't know if it was the heartland, but whatever. It's, I just like that phrase. So we were in the heartland of America. So a lot of things were very standardized, you know, industrialized, typical, expected. With this game taking place in a less, a less advanced, you know, 
less quote unquote free country, you're dealing with circumstances where the people really have to DIY all of their solutions and all their things. I mean, you still have classic cars rolling around as if they just came off the assembly line because people are taking care of their stuff because they need it. So you aren't getting just an AK-47 out the shop. You aren't just getting an AR-15 off the rack. You aren't just getting a, a Colt 45 from Billy D. Williams. You're getting all these weapons that are being repurposed and fashioned from things that are found around in the environment. For instance, you have like a chain gun that's operated with a motorcycle engine. You have a, you have a rifle that that's operated with a boat battery. You have a, a weapon that shoots CDs <laughs> at high velocity and impales enemies while playing the Macarena. <laughs> so that's definitely going to be a fan favorite. I know that for certain. Yeah, man, it's, it's very guerrilla and that in itself gives the action and the, the content that you're experiencing such a, such a unique flavor and a distinct character that you just don't get if you were going to put a game like this somewhere else, or if you were going to take a very ho-hum approach to how you're doing the content. Like everything looks, every, everything looks like it is its own thing. And I, I don't know, maybe that makes more sense to you than it does to me saying it, but if you get it, you get it. If you don't, hit us up on Twitter at My Control Issues, and I'll love to go into more detail with you. I, you're seeing all the same Far Cry stuff. You have your weapons, you have your vehicles, you have the rebel faction that you're going to be operating with in order to try to liberate what I'm guessing is the the parsed out zones across the map until eventually you take control and go with the strongholds, go with the bosses, and over time erode the stranglehold that the main character has on the environment. One thing that is tremendously different in this Far Cry from the last one is that you'll be able to hide in plain sight. This is something you really couldn't do in previous Far Cries. It's you definitely wanted to stay off of the roads in you know hostile territory because enemies patrol. And if anybody sees you, they're stopping the whip, they're hopping out, and they're busting on you. <laughs> it's, it's on site all the time. In this Far Cry, and I am just this has to be the single greatest thing they've done. So I'm very excited for this. You can hide in plain sight. You can put your weapon away. You can blend in. You can still, you can still move about as if you're a normal person in the region, which you are. And you can, you can infiltrate, which is something that's normally done in these kind of games from the bushes or the murder grass with the bow and arrow as you're shooting dudes in the head and gradually, you know, encroaching upon their territory until you've silently eliminated everybody. In this game, you get to just walk right in the front door, drive right through the checkpoint or walk right down the street and just put your gun away. So I'm definitely looking forward to that because that alone changes the entire dynamic of the Far Cry experience. AMC, yeah. did you see any things that stood out to you or that you're interested in? Like, have you even played any of the Far Cries? Nah, I I think you let me borrow one back in the day and I just didn't get into it. Um, yeah, uh, 
looking at this one, yeah, the so one of the, the big criticisms I had heard with the uh, the previous Far Cry was that the it seemed like the world was going to be more of I think it was the, the one that was in Montana, like it would be like an environment where you can actually like move through it and it, it feels like a lived in area but that ended up not really being the case like everybody that you came across is like an enemy and so yeah you're just always in shootouts and you're just trying to avoid combat always. and yeah one thing that, that i noticed with this one that i really did enjoy was the fact that um it seemed like an actual city like you see pedestrians people moving around it's not just all all um what is it uh like soldiers and military police and things along those lines uh like it's actual like it's an actual like place and so because of that like yeah you you're moving through it as a rebel but a lot of times with like in situations where you have guerrilla units they blend in with the people and um they're they seem to be doing that part really well uh what you had mentioned also earlier the fact that we got to see a lot of the characters. I think there are like even certain moves and I believe like destiny does this where you can do a certain move and then it'll pan out to a third person perspective. You'll see the move carry out and then it, it then pans back to first person. And uh, this game seemed to do that pretty well seamlessly. So it was nice to see one, um, the female protagonist. And then two, like um, with that, I, I know with like some with the previous games, I'm not sure which one, but yeah, there had been some criticisms that the uh, the leads were kind of broy. <laughs> mm -hmm. And one thing you always hear about when you uh, when people talk about Far Cry games and their love of those games is really the focus on the villain. They always love the villain in those games, but nobody ever talks about the protagonist. There's like no connection to that person. And so just seeing her a little bit more, even seeing her in the picture with your boy, Giancarlo, um, yeah, uh, like it's, I don't know, it just, if anything, this was the first time where I was actually enjoying seeing the uh, the protagonist in the game as opposed to just seeing the uh you know the villain and the great um voice work that goes with that character and how you know how maniacal but then how down to earth and grounded that that character is like it seemed like they always just put a focus on the villain and then didn't give a fuck about the main character mm -hmm. whereas this one it's um they seem to you know just seem to be a little more well-rounded in that way and because of that i can see it also just appealing to more people and uh as you said like this being in i know there's been comments i believe from ubisoft saying that this isn't a commentary on cuba in any type of way yada yada, yada because people are making those direct connections but it was nice to see like doing yeah like to see like those old school like studebaker style cars uh then, yeah but then like souped up with like guns on them and things along those lines um bulldozer <laughs> yeah, i don't even know what that thing's called anymore yeah, because that was always like the thing with Cuba is that because of the embargo, they had to make the most out of what they had. Um, and so it seems like that ingenuity is obviously carrying into this game. So it almost just gives a little more color to this game um, as opposed to just the uh, the paint by numbers worlds that you've seen in the past. And so because of that, like I think that they've done certain things to take this game in the right direction but without making it seem too different another thing that they also mentioned that is going to be interesting as we see more gameplay reveals is that you're more of a one-man army in this one you did see the homie the, the little pup at the end mm -hmm. um 
and we saw her like whistle and you know an alligator went and attacked somebody but um with the with the previous far cry games you know uh at least with the last one there was this big thing of like all the different homies that you can call in to assist you in combat and with this one saying that you're more of a one-man army i wonder if that's gonna play more into the abilities that you'll have as opposed to relying on people to come in and help you uh, um so that's also a step in a different direction from what we've seen in at least with the previous far cry game so it seems like they've looked at their formula and decided how can we tweak it to give this a different feel without getting away from what made this game so popular in the past and so they they seem to be taking a step in the right direction at least heading into the uh next generation uh so yeah i have I'm very happy with what I saw from Far Cry 6. Once again, I'm. this is definitely not a game that is day one for me. I'll probably have to like hear uh, complete glowing praise from A-Dub for me to, be, to consider it. But for the people who are happy, excited about Far Cry, I think this is another one that you'll enjoy picking up and not just the same of like what you've seen in previous Far Cry games. And if you are one of those people, you can be happy to know that Far Cry 6 is slated to release this year, October 7th. Mm. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh, it, it will be interesting to see if we see a delay for this one just because Ubisoft has been on the delay train as of late, but hopefully we can look forward to this on October 7th. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. A-Dub will more than likely be playing this. I mean, I had a fantastic time with Far Cry 5 despite its shortcomings. So if this does a lot to to cut those off at the knees and then stand atop the things that it does well. I mean, already just what they're doing with the, the main character and the cutscenes is giving it a level of charm and character that no Far Cry before it has ever had. And it also allows them to frame their scenes in a more just cinematic manner. So overall the interest is there and yeah, that's what a little bit before my birthday. So you know, we'll see how busy I am, what I'm into around that time, but more than likely Far Cry 6 is going to be something that A-Dub is into. No way. Let's get into our next topic of the week. Top topic, topic of, of the week. The week. Uh, you know, I'll take this one, A-Dub. Uh, this is going to be about... This is an Xbox update, A-Dub. So we finally got a date now for when Xbox will be having their showcase at E3. Uh, this coming by way of the xbox blog today we are thrilled to announce that xbox and bethesda game showcase will stream on sunday june 13th mm. at 10 a.m pacific time mm, so we get to watch that before the show and comment damn near in real time Ooh. yes sir <laughs> uh, yeah that was always the thing uh, xbox was usually what sunday night and so we would have to have a late recording if we wanted to do a live recording um the show will will be fo will focus on games from Xbox Game Studios, Bethesda, and many game creators from our partners around the world. Um, I looked up, did some research on, at least I, I went to IGN, they did the research. And um, so far, this is what we know as far as the big showcases. Ubisoft is going to be on Saturday, June 12th at, um, at 3 p.m. Eastern, 9 or 12 p.m. Pacific. And then Microsoft... Uh, they've announced obviously that they will be on Sunday at 10 a.m. at um, on Sunday on June 13th. So, still no word from Sony. Who knows? Um, at this point, I mean, 
we'll see who cares kind of they can have their state of plays but for you Ada, for somebody we know so we already know how that this Microsoft conference is going to go as far as there's going to be a whole lot of talk about Game Pass, yada, 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 that we pushing those numbers out, the excitement there. But for you, for a person that hasn't, that isn't interested in Game Pass, um, what are you looking forward to seeing from Microsoft in this conference? Starfield. <laughs> That's it. Just show me Starfield. Give me a release date. Tell me what it's going to be on. Let's put this to bed. Let's get this home stretch going so I can start allocating my time and resources to figure out if I'm going to be playing this on day one or not. Like, I want to see what it is. I want to see how good it is. And I want to know what I'm going to be playing it on. Give me that. The, the whole conference, anything else that you think is important is dog shit. Fuck that. Get all that off the slate. Tell me about Starfield. Spend a good 30 minutes on it. Show it to me a lot. And then you you can have the rest of the year off. Give me that when, release. When do you expect Starfield to come out? I expect that if they show us gameplay for it next month at this showcase, then it's coming out this year. Because Bethesda, if they show you the thing, it's coming out soon. It's done. So I know a lot of people, oh, it's it's coming out 2022. It's getting delayed. Like Bethesda has been on a hot streak of increasingly shorter reveal to release windows ever since what Skyrim. So that's Skyrim. That's Fallout 4. It's Fallout 76. It's Elder Scrolls Online probably. So I don't know where people are suddenly getting this idea that they're going to go back to making us wait. So yeah, man, it's just show me what it is. Tell me when I can get it and go sit down somewhere unless you got more new stuff to show me. I don't want to see any re-releases of Skyrim. I don't want to see a PS5 version of Skyrim. I don't want to see stuff that's already out. I don't want to see... I don't want to see... see, I don't wanna see. <laughs> it's just... It, it, you, you know how these showcases go, man. They always do this and they show you all these properties that either already exist or they show you like uh, content or crossovers or, or deals and stuff they're doing with things that already exist. Show me new stuff. I'm getting so tired of not being beaten over the head with new stuff whenever we have these shows. That's what we come for. That's what we want to see. What is the shape of this coming generation going to look like? Show me that. Nothing else. AMC. Yeah, so I did a quick Google search and according to Jason Schreier, he's saying late 2022. So (laughs) if you're expecting it next year, that's going to be a a shocker, I guess. Um, Yeah, for me, I I definitely, it's uh, games. That's going to be most important. I, I know for as far as the whole console war thing, it's all they care about is what's the exclusivity of Starfield. So that's going to be the big discussion. I even think like if they just, if they had, if they announced no other games, I basically said we have no other games and Starfield will come out in five years, but it will be exclusive to Xbox. They still might win the conference. <laughs> Easy because all the Xbox online will never <laughs> shut up. Yeah, it's coming out in five years, but not on PlayStation. <laughs> 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 and that's like that's kind of the sad part about this thing is game of the generation <laughs> it's literally like a layup for them to win it by basically 
going against everything that's anti-consumer that people talk about like oh the exclusivity is bad for the industry and bad for gamers (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's the thing that like it's the the make or break thing which is funny because you know starfield being in more people's hands a good game is a good thing overall but the fact that they want it so bad to be an exclusive (laughs) to xbox it's like the only way that that game the game could be a complete piece of shit but if it was exclusive to xbox that's all that would matter (laughs) it's the best thing ever because playstation gamers can't get it (laughs) yeah yeah as far as me um they have all those studios i want to see what's going on like with in exile and what is it uh um Obsidian. Obsidian, yeah. I want to see what's going on there, um, what other well, games they have. Well, two bits of news to help you out with your expectations in that regard. So with yes. In Exile, I believe they have a job listing for a first-person RPG that they're working on exclusively mm-hmm. for the Xbox platforms. And insofar as Obsidian, news broke that Microsoft is now the publisher of the Outer Worlds franchise which was formerly a project that was done by Take-Two's private division label. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what's going on there, um, get some announcements from those studios. And, yeah, I, wanted, I just want to see what other games they're working on because you know there's going to be a ton of Game Pass stuff, and that's all well and good. We know that we know all the value stuff is Game Pass stuff. <laughs> yeah, we know the value of Game Pass, so that's always awesome. But yeah, I want to see. But have but do you know the value of Game Pass? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've covered it enough to be like, all right, it's apparently the best deal out in the world right now. Have you heard <laughs> how great of a value Game Pass is? Do Do you need to, a refresher course? Because yeah, it's <laughs> you got an article. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, I'm curious to see what those studios are working on because that is that is kind of the appeal for me. Is like you have all these studios and they could be working on something that's completely different. Also, just the fact that with in the the landscape that is Game Pass, uh, what type of games they're going to be pushing out as far as how big are they going to be, what type of experiences are they going to be, and what types of games are they? Because if they're if they focus on just say a bunch of dope ass like RPGs, tactical turn base. Um, turn like just turn based in general or in even action rpgs that's going to be fun as hell but yeah just to see what they're pumping out i think is will give us an idea of what types of games xbox is trying to focus on because you know everybody likes to you know pigeonhole (laughs) publishers into like certain areas of certain games that they like to make yeah and then obviously i don't need to see it but we just need to know like come on is halo are we really getting it? Like, what's what's the deal? <laughs> well, I mean, so, we're definitely getting it. It's yeah. just a matter of when and what yeah. it's going to look like. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think, like, I don't really need to see gameplay. I just want, like, a date, like, solidified so that I can be excited for when that thing drops. Um, so, yeah. yeah. That's definitely a game I'm, I'm looking to as something I might get into because it's, it's, it's along the lines of a dream game idea I had where I wanted an open-world Halo where the war is taking place in real time so i know the war is not going to be taking place in real time but it's open world halo and that's a new spin on an iconic franchise and that's something that as gamers you should always want to show up for all right let's keep it moving let's move into the next topic of the week top topic of the week can you uh pause it real quick yes sir (laughs) got it and we are back and we are back so (laughs) With us being back in this next topic of the week. Top topic we, of the week. 
We got ourselves a bit of Dragon Quest news mm-hmm. over this week. Yes, there was a 35th anniversary stream for Dragon Quest. That is absolutely amazing. Dragon Quest as a franchise is almost as old as gaming itself. So that is something to be celebrated. Uh, Dragon Quest being originally an Enix title, eventually Square, also one of the more iconic RPG makers of gaming history. Those merged together into what we now know as Squeenix or Square of course a couple things that they revealed first of all we got an announcement and a title a title card for dragon quest 12 so no gameplay it is called the flames of fate and it'll be the first entry in the core series since dragon quest 11 which came out all the way back in 2017 in japan worldwide 2018 but the big news in my opinion (laughs) of this whole anniversary stream is that not only is Dragon Quest 3 being remade, but it is being remade in the style of Octopath Traveler. Oh, yes. So if you're anyone other than AMC who has experienced Octopath Traveler, then you know it is a it's reminiscent of the Super Nintendo sprite base turn base role-playing games that we all grew up in and love games like final fantasy 3 6 in japan you know just chrono trigger like well maybe a little less chrono trigger chrono trigger was a little a little genre genre pushing defining re-envisioning uh just you know those classic square rpgs that we knew and love uh octopath took that put it in this like hd 2.5D kind of style where it's still pixelated. It still looks 2D, but it's presented in a 3D world where there's depth. You can go into the screen and back down. So this is a step up from those, from the more like top-down RPGs where the world is just a flat square and you're going up and down and left and right within it. This one, the world is it's 3D and you're moving within it. So Dragon Quest Three is getting that treatment and it's just one of several new Dragon Quest spinoffs that have been announced. AMC, uh, I know you, you probably haven't seen any of the still images for what this remake is gonna look like, but how does this news strike you? Awesome. Um, that 2.5D, whatever, HD is um, completely awesome. Uh, I'm super excited for was it Triangle Strangler? Whatever game that they have. The <laughs> triangle final. Strategy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leave it leave it to Rockstar to make like Triangle Strangler or be like Manhunt 4 or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, I really like what they're doing there. And yeah, why not bring this to other games? I've been saying that um the dream if we if we can have dreams A dub, the dream is to do Final Fantasy Six and that. 2.5 hd uh scenario because that uh, game is already perfect and then you can just take it to the next level by having it 
have that look. Um, and so the ghost train in 2.5 day in the uh, forest. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so much, Ada. Yeah, so oh, fanatics tower. See that dog come running across the screen. <laughs> <laughs> At random. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, there's so much they could do with that, and this maybe this is like the test, the feeler to see how we can do with a remake of an old game and they work their way up they get to that final fantasy 6 and the internet just completely loses their minds and so it's also it's all it's something that they could always have in their back pocket that you know is just gonna just destroy the internet when they decide to reveal that thing so yeah i'm i'm happy with um any type of experimentation with uh this visual style absolutely so let's get to our next topic of the Week, topic of the week. week. What you got, AMC? All right, you know, let's just get right into it. A dub. This is going to be April 2021. NPD. A dub. We have the top 20 best-selling games of the month in the U.S. Most notably, because if this was Europe, it'd probably be FIFA every month. Number one, a dub. Oh, we got a newbie. It's not Call of Duty this time, a dub. This one is MLB The Show 21. One, 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 one. That, that multi platform 21, uh, one, one, one. That Sony published 21, one, one, one. <laughs> That Xbox 21, one, one. Yeah. Um, the most lukewarm received MLB The Show in years. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, number one on the list, MLB The Show 21, one, one. Um, number two, A Dub, because it couldn't be number one this month, but it'll always be in the top five. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War still selling. Number three, we got a newbie. Oh, we back, but we we familiar, but we back. And this one new being that new Pokemon Snap. It's in the title, A-Dub, new Pokemon Snap. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, still holding on strong, Outriders. It was number three last month, so only fell down one slot. Number four, people are still Outriders buying it. still going. I think they said they hit a record on Steam with three point, either 3.5 million unique players or three point. I doubt it was concurrent. No, it was, uh, it was unique. Yeah. Um, and so, so they're unique. They're looking forward to adding to the Outriders IP. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's a that's a success story. I'm all about it. Yeah, and we're seeing that two games that quote unquote could have been hurt by you know the whole value of Game Pass and people like oh I'm I don't need to buy video games. They're still selling. So um, MLB, I guess they got what they wanted in that they wanted this game in more people's hands and for the game to still sell well on top of that it's um a win-win situation number five a dub oh because you like them weird games brought back from the past near replicant all right number six mortal Kombat 11 still selling well it was number 14 last month so it moved up on the charts what you think people watch mortal Kombat on hbo max and then went out and bought mortal Kombat? oh man i gotta get into this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gotta get into these fatalities, man. Oh, man. <laughs> I didn't know games were doing it like this. Or maybe like people saw it on HBO Max and like, the game's better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather just play the game. Yes. Uh, number seven, Monster Hunter Rise. Number eight, A-Dub. You were wondering where this might be on the list because you were a fan and people complained, mm. but they still went out and bought it. Number eight, Returnal. 
Mm-hmm. Crack the top ten. Number nine. It takes two. It takes two, baby. baby. It takes two. Number ten. Damn. Mario Kart eight. Uh, number eleven. Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Let's run down these last couple quickly. Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales. Super Mario 3D World. 14, Minecraft. Animal Crossing New Horizons. Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Number 18, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Pokemon Sword and Shield. And 20, to end the list, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So these Nintendo games just still flying off the shelves. Stay selling. Here's a couple of notes here. MLB The Show 21. Launch month dollar sales of MLB The Show 21 set a new franchise high. New Pokemon Snap. Launch month physical sales of new Pokemon Snap more than doubled those of Pokemon Snap, which debuted on the Nintendo 64 in the July 1999 tracking month. 1999 and it's our time to share. <laughs> Mortal Kombat 11. Mortal Kombat 11 placed among the top 10 bestsellers for the month for the first time since ranking 9th in July 2020. Uh, so yeah, Mortal Kombat, that game is just printing money at this point. It uh, should. Yes. There's rumors that uh, NetherRealm is working on a X-Men versus Marvel. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting too because there's that whole uh, like Warner deal going on right now, and I'm sure that they're like wrapped up in it in some type of way. So we'll see how that all that whole merger plays out. Top ten best selling games of the year so far: number one, Call of Duty: Black Ops Cold War; number two, Super Mario 3D World; number three, MLB The Show, debuting number three on the list. A dub. So Gosh, the game is. Darn. Selling all right. The kids are all right. Number four, Monster Hunter Rise. Number five, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales. I love that this game would just probably stay on the list because as more people are getting PS5s, they're probably just picking this game up. Number six, Outriders. So it was actually number 10 last month. So it's actually gaining momentum somehow. Number seven, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Number eight, Mario Kart 8, number 9, Minecraft, and number 10, Assassins, oh, not Assassins, actually, <laughs> Animal Crossing New Horizons. Um, let's see, top five from each individual console, Nintendo, one, Pokemon, new Pokemon Snap, Monster Hunter Rise, Mario Kart 8, Super Mario 3D World, Animal Crossing New Horizon, PlayStation Top 5, 5, 5, number one, MLB The Show 21, Call of Duty, Black Ops Cold War, Returnal, Outriders and Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales. And top five for Xbox, number one, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, MLB the show 21. It takes two, Mortal Kombat 11, and Call of Duty Modern Warfare. So even the fact, even with everybody owning Game Pass, it was still the best, the second best-selling game on the console for Xbox. And then uh, as far as consoles go, Nintendo Switch led the way in terms of both unit and dollar sales for the month. Um, and obviously, Sony and Xbox um, are handicapped by the fact that they just can't pump out the number of consoles that they would like, and so Nintendo continues to rake it up. Um, let's move on to the next topic of the week. Top topic of the week. What you got, Adam? At the PS Plus games, yes, I got I got that June twenty twenty one. I got a little something for the ass. 
Yeah, so Sony has announced the PlayStation Plus games for June 2021, leading the charge. We got Star Wars Squadrons. Yeah. So, all right, all right, all right. Following up the charge on PS4, we got Virtual Fire 5. Bringing it back. And this month, the PS5 game is Operation Tango. Oh, flying off the shelves. <laughs> hey, but it's, I say it every time, I say it every month. I would rather Sony give me something that I didn't play and that I for sure do not have <laughs> for them to give basically everybody else something that I do already have. Because, yeah, it's fine that other people would get something that they haven't experienced, but your boy would like something new too. So Operation Tango, I checked out a trailer. It looks pretty cool. I believe it's like a, it's a co-op adventure. It came out last August on PS4 and, you know, it's getting a PS5 version. It's getting held back by the PS5. Yeah, it's getting (laughs) held back. It seems to have a lot of cool mechanics going on. I think it's got like some, some espionage and all kinds of, there's hacking and you're a secret agent, you need a buddy asymmetrical challenges communication but um it just being in first person it immediately turned me off so it's not something that i'm particularly excited for although it does look cool and if people can see past the first person and maybe if you have a buddy i you know i think that you probably have a good time with the game virtual fighter 5 seems to be the game that a lot of people are giving the the tip of the hat to just like okay sony thank you for that because uh, it was initially a feature rich remaster of the ps5 version yeah so there's that but honestly i think the gem of these offerings is star wars squadrons this was a very well received you know at, wasn't it yeah, it was. It looked like it was a multiplayer game. A lot of people have been wondering what was going on with Star Wars getting the the ship fighting kind of games that used to fill out its catalog in years prior. Uh, Star Wars Squadrons came out uh, primarily for VR. That's supposed to be a top grade experience. But the big thing here was, despite it being a multiplayer kind of PvP experience, it could also be played as a single-player game with a single-player campaign. So, you know, it's also in first person, but it's Star Wars, and you fly the ship. So that might be something that's worthwhile. Uh, Personally, I'm probably not going to dig into it, but it's nice that it's on offer, especially for all the Star Wars fans out there who may have been interested in the game and just haven't been able to pick it up, but also for people who are into science fiction, who are into you know, first-person ship battling, people who have their VR headsets and think Sony doesn't support their peripherals, all that kind of stuff. AMC, how do you feel about the June offerings for PS Plus? Yeah, I mean, when I was first scrolling through it, I was like, when I first, when I saw that PS5 game, I was like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I would not be downloading. Like, usually I'm one of those people that's like, ah, just put it in the library. Maybe one day, like, I'll download it or something like that. Or maybe Theo will want to play it one day. Who knows? But I saw that game and I was, I even watched like a trailer and I was like, yeah, nah. nah. Um, <laughs> Virtual Fighter, I loved like Virtual Fighter in the past. I have no idea how it looks now. If it's like still slow and polygonal, like how it was in the past, then it's nah, awesome. Nah, if it looks polygonal. like Tekken, then I'm not that interested. 
it looks it looks like Tekken. Yeah, but it's uh, still virtual fire. Does it have? Te- does it still have Jeffrey? Because if it does, and I can do that Capoeira, then the game might be hot. I mean, it probably does. I don't care. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> uh, virtual fighter. I, I was. Yeah. I, I think I've I've spent like fifty cents on virtual fighter back when it was in its heyday. I think I played virtual fighter two for like a second, then I tried virtual on, and that was a unique experience that I wanted to dig more into. But I was a kid. So yeah, Virtual Fighter. That was like one of those ones where I think it was like a Saturn. I was like, I want a Saturn. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Virtual Fighter. Yeah, it was like that and uh, that X Men X Men Fighter game. I forgot what it was, but those were like the two X-Men games Fighter. that I was like all about. Oh, um, X Men Age of the or Children, Children of, the of Adam. Adam. There you go. Yeah. yeah oh my the, god, Iceman. Yeah. Um, so those are like the two games that I was like all about. I love Virtual Fighter back in the day. I wouldn't be interested in it now. So basically, this month is all about Star Wars Squadron. The other two games are kind of whatever for me. Um, and yeah, I'll probably, I, I definitely will, like you know, add Star Wars Squadron to the library, all that good stuff. But you know, I'm not gonna jump jump at it. It's not gonna move up on my list of games that I need to play. But it's a Star Wars game, and it's not a bad Star Wars game. So I'll definitely add it in there. There you go. That's all it takes. Yes. Show some support for that ass. Let's get into the next topic of the week. Topic topic of the week. This is my last one. Resident Evil Village has shipped 4 million units. Uh, So already off to a good start. Um, I believe. So according to VG47, uh, 247, I should say, it's um, on pace to outsell resident evil 7 which was mm. already the uh the best-selling resident evil game um and yeah it's it seems to be doing really well uh critically people seem to be responding well to it so yeah just uh another thing that capcom is doing well and they're just letting us know hey we still in monster hunter rise units we move in resident evil units we come in with that next game and we're going to move those units as well uh just you know just balling all these hoes Stunning. seriously Capcom, man, they they have their ups and their downs. Their downs are usually pretty like, uh, fuck Capcom. But then when they hit their ups, it's like, oh, the greatest developer of all time, greatest publisher of all time. (laughs) People are, people straight up, the same people who were shitting on Capcom for, they they lost their way, they don't know what they're doing. (laughs) And suddenly Capcom has been the greatest publisher in the past 47 years. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, it's people seem to have a a roller coaster love affair with Capcom, but luckily for Capcom, they continue to keep that roller coaster in that loop, keep that heart pounding, mm-hmm. keep it going. So hopefully we see I want to see Capcom do some new IPs. I mean, it's great that they keep doing the remakes for Resident Evil. It's great that they're they finally rediscovered a modern voice for the Resident Evil franchise. It's outstanding that they've figured out some way to finally get Monster Hunter in front of a mass audience and make it into a a worldwide sensation. But, you know, where's the follow-up to Dragon's Dogma? Where's the justice for Lost Planet and making that into something that works? I mean, Mega Man is never going to be around anymore, so... They don't have that to rely on, but like, where, where are the new ideas and the risks from Capcom? That's what I want to see. So hopefully they got <laughs> something in the pipeline. 
You're gonna do that to Naughty Dog as well. Where's the where are the risks? <laughs> I've been doing it to Naughty Dog. I, like, don't like don't get me wrong. Uncharted, solid franchise. They made fucking four of them. They made a handheld. They took some risk with Lost Legacy. They made the female protagonists, the dual leads. They also did it in a more open structure. Um, they made The Last of Us, and then they made a second The Last of Us. And they're probably gonna make a multiplayer for the last of us sequel but i also want to see naughty dog do something new i want to see them do science fiction there's rumors that they're making a science fiction ip yeah and hopefully it's savage starlight you know i want to see rockstar break out of the the western and contemporary mold and do something futuristic like gta 2 was sort of a cyberpunk kind of experience and i'd like to see Rockstar of all developers do something sci-fi because they've proven that they can give just an inordinate amount of attention and detail to any property that they put their hands on and make it into something that has mass appeal. So I feel like Rockstar, chief among all developers, would be able to do something that's completely out of this world if they really wanted to. Granted, Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead Redemption make ridiculous money, and it looks like that interest is never going to wane anytime soon. I don't blame them for continuing to stay in their in their vein. Neither do I blame Naughty Dog. Neither do I blame Capcom. But I would just I want to see different things. Like we have a lot of numbered games these days. I want to see brand new stuff that doesn't have a number. That, that's all. <laughs> yeah, for me, I I stand where I'm usually at. That's what the new developers are for. Like, get some new studios in here and not have them just duplicate what other studios are doing. Now come in with new blood and bring in something new. But I, I almost feel like whenever developers, it's what we always want. It's like, we have this, so now we want something different. And then once we get something different, we want what we don't have anymore. Why is it like this? <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't they just, well, it's like, yeah, with Naughty Dog, they have Uncharted, they have The Last of Us, but you still have that subset of gamers. Where's Jack? <laughs> yeah, because it's like, it's like Konami, like, people are upset that Konami's not doing anything because it's not of what new stuff they could be doing. It's you have all these old licenses that we want to see like back out there in a modern I space. Silent Hills. Yeah. I want Castlevania. Like, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah. There's uh, I don't know. I, I feel like let them do what they do. And then that's where you start putting pressure on, like opening up some new studios to do something different and bring us something different. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm happy with what Capcom just seems to be in the right stride right now. Where the games that they're doing, they're doing really well, and the people who enjoy those games are just loving everything that they do with those games. So I'm I'm more for like let's just see what you can do before it gets stale again. Because that was like the worry with uh, Resident Evil is the fact that you know we don't like the direction you're going in, and then they adjust it, and now everybody's excited about what yeah. they're doing with their games. Um, so yeah, I just especially with what they're doing with the old ones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but let's yeah, move but into, uh, at, the, at, the, at the same token, it's like uh, I feel like, especially once developers find that bread and butter and they they have their money makers, it's yeah, you can keep making the thing that's making your money, but you can also bring up a different another team internally that works on new stuff. Like it shouldn't just be on new developers 
to make new stuff. Like you can still get new things from existing developers. It's just, they're going to have to split their time and their resources in order to do that, which they can afford because they're successful. Mm-hmm. If, you know, of course, new developers are going to be bringing new ideas and that's how they're going to end up making their bread and butter, but then they're going to find their hits and then that's all they make that I don't, I don't like that, that narrowing pathway of development where it's, Oh, we found what we're good at. So that's all we're going to do. It, the, we, we get new ideas by taking risks and being willing to fall flat on your face. So you know, people are waiting for each and every hotshot developer to have their moment of comeuppance where they fall on their face. It's like, ah, I knew you were just a one-trick pony. Like, everybody's waiting for From Software to put out a dud. Everybody's waiting for Rockstar to put out a dud, proclaiming everything all these developers do as duds to try to make their prophecies self-fulfilling. But it's like, it's they have to take that risk. And that's what I want to see a return to. I love indie developers. I love new developers. I love smaller mid-tier developers who are taking risks. Like I'm loving BioMutant for all its shortcomings and everything because it's different, it's fresh, and it still manages to be awesome despite its flaws. I love, I love everything that Larian has done. I mean, for some reason, they're just one of the most amazing developers of all time. And it came out of nowhere. They crowdfunded their games. We got Divinity, Original Sin 1 and 2. Now we're getting Baldur's Gate 3, something that's kind of fallen off my radar, and I'm glad I remembered it now because I can get hyped. It's just a little something to be excited about for the days to come. <laughs> you know, I do. So, yeah, man, I everybody needs to be making new ideas. It doesn't need to just come from one particular source. It doesn't need to come at any particular time. We just need to continue to see new ideas. And when things well, become successful, there's a team. There's new ideas and new IP. Because you can have new ideas in, in, in a franchise that you've been working on. True. But that was that was pretty much what we saw with like with um, Red Dead Redemption 2, was that it's not the same game. And so people are like, oh, all this new stuff you did, I don't like. And yeah. it's like, but it's it's still the same game. It's just they did something completely different and people are either going to like it or not. So there's a way to still reinvent yourself without having to, you know, just come out with a completely new franchise. But yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying though. Like, yeah, just always work on getting better is like kind of where I'm at. Don't put out the same, the same game basically every year. Don't rest on your laurels. Yeah. Before you're, before someone has to hoist your retard. <laughs> All right, let's get into the next topic of the week. Top topic of the week. What you got? That was uh, my last story, by the way. Well, I'm out of stories. Unless you want to go over IGN's list of the best roguelikes. Yeah, we can hit that real quick. What, what you got? We can hit that real quick. So IGN, you want to go on their website. They got a list of the best roguelikes. They personify it as a collection of the best roguelikes. Roguelites and games like Rogue. So it spans the gamut. It's not just one thing. It's not so narrow. So it's top 10 list. We'll start with number 10. Enter the Gungeon. AMC, mm. you, ever, you ever play it? No, I've seen it. That game is it, looks pretty awesome, though, from what I've seen. A-Dub has beaten it. It is a phenomenal game. I recommend it to everybody. AMC, you need to get in on some of that action. It is awesome. It's a, you know, it... It's got that top-down look, kind of like 
Zelda, A Link to the Past, except you got guns galore. They all do different things. Biggie would be proud. I got, I, it's got a Mac 10. <laughs> <laughs> it's got an AK-47. It's got a 45. It's got a Neutrona wand from Ghostbusters. It's got all the iconic guns. And yeah, it's, it's a great time. Number nine, Into the Breach, AMC. Have you played it? No, I have not. I've seen you play it. It's on the Switch. You should be playing it. <laughs> Again, it's a, a general thing with the roguelikes is that they're all pretty short. So these aren't games that you're going to have to put a significant amount of time into unless you just are not grasping their mechanics and are having a miserable go at it. But AMC, being one of the best gamers alive, will probably eat these games in a similar condition. And in the breach, that's tactical turn-based, takes place on a very small board of tiles. You're trying to defend civilization from kaiju springing up from the ground and coming to destroy things and you gotta fight them back while protecting the city which is where you draw your power it's a pretty inventive idea which completely makes you rethink your whole turn-based tactical strategy so highly recommend that as well number eight rogue legacy amc have you played of course, we played it together. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, have Rogue to ask after every game. Yeah, Rogue Legacy was awesome. Um, I haven't beat it. Uh, okay, I did beat Rogue Legacy. I got to the point where I got the uh, like the dragon wings, and yes. that shit just uh, it made it a lot easier to get through the levels, and also just the fact that you could fly made it um, just gave you a leg up in those boss battles. And but um, that game was awesome. They what they did well, which um, I mean people criticize roguelikes for but i i think they overlook just areas where you can see improvement but rogue legacy because of the fact that you had your playthrough you get your money you buy your upgrades and it just continues to add on to the possibilities of what you can load out as um in the in the uh the next run as the the next member of the family um it just it gave a great sense of progression in a series where you know people aren't usually used to it or at least it's not as identifiable outside of i'm just getting better at the game and so yeah um that was one thing i loved about rogue legacy overall it was just a fun game to play i'll say absolutely it was a blast and thinking about it it's it's not an overly difficult or complicated game you just need to focus lean on the mechanics and make it work it should also be noted that rogue legacy 2 is in the works so if you enjoy rogue legacy there's a sequel Mm. Uh, I need to go back to this and finish it because it's kind of awesome. Number seven, NetHack. AMC, have you heard? No, of it? no, I, have not. <laughs> I don't even know what NetHack is. Exactly. Uh, according to IGN, NetHack could be the deepest PC game ever made. <laughs> Consider that there are well over 1,000 ways to die from being petrified while swallowing a cock tree's hole to falling into a sink. Uh, without a graphics engine to worry about, NetHack players are limited only by their imagination and solving problems. See, winning isn't so much the point as exploring its many, many systems. NetHack is a direct descendant of Rogue and retains the same basic rules, but 30 years of development has made it far, far more complex. It's perhaps the ultimate expression of the traditional roguelike, one that retains a loyal following to this day. If you want to understand where Spelunky, Hades, and Returnal came from, then look at NetHack. Uh, that's a very interesting recommendation. I'm not going to look at it, but I appreciate that. Number six, Dead Cells. AMC, have you played it? 
No, I own it, but have not seen it. <laughs> At least you own it. Yeah. <laughs> That's more than we can say for any of the other games that you have to play. Yeah. Uh, Dead Cells, A-Dub also owns it, and all of the additional content of which it has received a copious amount, including one, one paid DLC at five bucks. Uh, played the hell out of this game. Eventually, I found my preferred loadout, which was the Lightning, along with the Impaler, which is a spear-type weapon that I would just run up on enemies, push them up against the wall, and stab them to death. So this game, very fast-paced. It's very easy to die, but it's also very easy to live if you utilize the game's mechanics. Tons of secrets and tons of loot. It's nothing but action. It's definitely a very unique take on this style of game. So I would highly recommend Dead Cells to people who like fast-paced action and roguelikes in general. Moving along, number five, FTL, AMC, have you played it? Have not played it. Has that's, not that's, played that's it. number five. I can't wait to see what number one is, damn. Yeah, because number five is <laughs> the first roguelite, roguelite I've ever played, ever. It, FTL is the game that started my love affair with this type of game. And I must say that it is easily one of the greatest games ever made. I mean, it, it takes place on a ship. You have a crew. You have your various systems and rooms within the ship. And it's your job to manage this as you're hopping from point to point across a given sector, as you're trying to hop across an entire galaxy in order to deliver a message to the Federation in order to beat back the rebel uprising. So along the way, there's very little backtracking because you're being pursued by the rebels whose influence is constantly encroaching as you move forward. So you're moving, you're going on these little text-based adventures and the outcomes are never the same in a given encounter. One day, you may go in and save a bunch of miners from a bunch of space fighters. The next day, you might go in and volunteer for an experiment with the Zoltan and end up vaporizing one of your crew members. So it can go either way from time to time. You get different kinds of ships. Uh, you're getting loot. You're getting scrap. You're trying to get better weapons. You're trying to upgrade your systems. And as the captain of the ship, you're managing these systems in real time during ship-to-ship -ship encounters where you know your shields might be up to par and the enemy can't scratch you, or they may be punching holes in your ship as you're losing oxygen, fires are spreading, crew members are suffocating, you gotta blow enemies out the airlock to suffocate them. You know, it's there's a lot going on. FTL is a masterpiece. Uh, it is developed by the same team that created Into the Breach. And yeah, if you haven't played FTL, highly recommend it. Number four, Slay the Spire. AMC, have you played it? It's another one I haven't heard of. What is Slay the Spire? So Slay the Spire, it, it, it's got a deck building design and it takes the idiom much more. It, it, I'm trying to paraphrase what I just say. Uh, they say it's simply amazing how willing this game is to throw caution into the wind and let you completely upend its smartly, its smartly constructed and orderly rules. If you happen into the right combination of character class, modifying relics and powerful cards, all bets are off. The defect, whose apparent strength 
His summonable orbs that automatically attack or defend every turn can be transformed into a melee powerhouse with almost unlimited attacks. Or the ironclad warrior can turn into a vampiric powerhouse who sacrifices his own health to do damage. So, yeah. They say every roguelike asks you to play the hand you're dealt as it deals out all manner of unpredictable upgrades. Work with the Slay the Spire's deck building design takes that idiom much more literally than most. Uh, judging by the way it describes the various manners in which you can tune these different kinds of, I'm guessing, character types, it would seem that Slay the Spire has a lot of flexibility and options to it. I mean, I remember it being received well, so it might be something that I look into further down the road. Number three which IGN gave a 10 out of 10. Spelunky 2. Mm. AMC. Have you played it? I played the first Spelunky. Never played Spelunky 2. I played quite a bit of the first Spelunky. Have not played Spelunky 2. However, watching the launch trailer, I I want to play Spelunky 2 really bad. It looks like everything that you know and love about Spelunky, but just more of it and better of it. Uh, Spelunky was a very love-hate relationship with me. It took me uh, a good time of borderline hating it to eventually coming to love it, finally understanding its rhythm and getting to a point where it's something that I did enjoy experiencing. So I haven't made it very far as lucky. I don't even think I've made it out of the first world yet. So still, but even so, like every time I pick it up, I'm still finding new things. Like I've, I've only just started figuring out how all the different items work and like what's the best loadout to pick in order to be the most successful in a given environment. So yeah, still trying to figure it out. But uh, a lot of people have a diehard affection for a Spelunky. So that must count for something. And if it does, that means that you should probably give it a shot. Hmm. Number two, which was a lot of people's game of the year of 2020, which a lot of people said deserved it more than The Last of Us 2 with Ghost of Tsushima. Hades. Oh, there you go. There it is. Number two. So have you played it? I, I, I know what it is. You don't have to run it down. <laughs> I own Hades. <laughs> yes. As does E-Single. I actually got my hands on Hades a few weeks ago. And yeah, man, a gorgeous art style, excellent voice acting. I imagine the story is awesome. I wasn't in a position where I could actually enjoy everything that the game was giving me. I just wanted to get my hands on it and feel the combat firsthand, which seems to be very quick and snappy. I wish I could play it on a proper game controller, like maybe a Switch Pro controller. Had to play with the Joy-Cons for the scenario that I was in. But of what I played, it looks like there's quite a bit there. And it's something that I eventually want to come back to under more controlled circumstances. So if you haven't played Hades, you might want to think about it. But now we get to that number one. IGN's best roguelike. The Binding of Isaac. AMC. <laughs> did you do it? Yeah, actually, I did. Uh, it was on PS Plus, I believe, and that's how I ended up owning Binding of Isaac. I actually played Binding of Isaac. Damn, I had, I had I a good time. I yeah, I had a good time playing it. Um, yeah, this list is um, interesting. I'll say. 
Because <laughs> yes. uh, I mean, it's it's IGN's number one list, and I mean, granted, people love Binding of Isaac, so I get it. But um, man, there are some games on this list that I would definitely have above Binding of Isaac. <laughs> so uh, whatever. Um, I think I think if you're just looking at a top ten list of roguelikes that you can play, and you could pick any of these and have a good time with. I would look at it as that, but uh, as far as the order, uh, Binding of Isaac wouldn't be my number one, but I did enjoy playing Binding of Isaac. Well, if Binding of Isaac would be your number one, and if you're somebody who looks upon Binding of Isaac lovingly, I would recommend going to twitch.tv slash trumbonerchamp in order to catch some streaming of some hardcore Binding of Isaac playing. That's my man, Sean Shackelford. He's just been at it forever and he just recently started streaming so giving him a shout on the show twitch.tv slash trump boner champ if you want to check out binding of isaac in action uh, it's definitely got some racy material going on and so far as its lore and its story i won't go into it but uh what looks like a seemingly simple game on the surface is something that's rather deep and involved i believe i played binding of isaac for Maybe a total of 30 minutes, but in that time, I saw that it was something that I would need to invest a decent amount of time into, not only to get a decent grasp of how to play it, but to also really enjoy it the way that it's deserving. So, yeah, man. Overall, I would, like AMC, I would arrange some things differently on this list. I would definitely have FTLs number one, and I would have Enter the Gungeon at least in top five. But, uh, yeah, overall, solid list. These are all solid picks from IGN. So, kudos to who this. Is there any game? Mitchell Saltzman. <laughs> is, there, is there a game that you would say is uh, missing from the list that you would have on there? Missing from the list based on what's here. Because I have to think of that in the sense of anything I would take off. And the only things that I would take off are games that I haven't, I haven't played. So, so like, uh, as far as a roguelike that you love, that that you don't see on there, is there anything that... I want to say Flame in the Flood. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely not as complex or as, as polished as all of these, but for what it sets out to do, and it, in the manner it sets out to do it, where you're... The, the areas that you explore are all along this river that you're trying to survive floating down. And whenever you need to get supplies or whenever you need to, you know, get food or cure an illness, you stop in at a, at a landmass and try to find the things that you need. So it's got a heavy survival element on top of being procedurally generated. And it's, it, w- it was just a, a very inventive take on the genre that I think is worthy, at least worthy of mention, if not being ranked. Because these are all outstanding games that are on this list and i don't think flame in the flood measures up insofar as quality and content but insofar as a unique experience flame in the flood is something that i think people should take a chance on how about yourself um you know i was trying to remember what the game was but i can't i can't remember off the top of my head i have to look at like games that i own (laughs) but have it uh downloaded um Damn, it's, you played it, and it's like kind of like a black and white style game. Um, God damn it! Hey, let me, let me look it up. I'm gonna pause style. real quick. 
So we are back. Uh, the game that I was thinking about, and I don't even know if this is a roguelike, but Hollow Knight, just because people seem to love that mm. game. Uh, it's, it's not a roguelike. It's more of a Metroidvania, but it's, okay. I mean, but Hollow Knight is always worth mentioning in any conversation about games because it's just fucking outstanding. Yeah. Okay. But so now, now that I'm looking okay. through my library, I mean, some other games that are worth mentioning, Risk of Rain 2, which bears a striking similarity to Returnal. That's worth mentioning. Tough as nails, very simple and straightforward, but with a lot of nuance and and just variety. Uh, man, unbelievable game. Yes. Uh, dang, and I feel like there was one more I wanted to mention, but you know what? Yeah, I'm sure. We'll, we'll keep it for next week. But do you have any final words, Ada, before we get out of here? Uh, man, enjoy your long weekend. Take some time to rest and relax and, you know, also use it as an opportunity to warm up for things to come as the world goes back to the new. Well, this is Control Issues. I am AMC. And this is Control Issues. Thanks for playing. Suckers. Suckers.